how to hustle with intention, how he started and grew college game day to what it is today, how to become the best NFL running back in the entire league, how to optimize your health, how she went from starting Orange Theory at something really small to growing it into over 1 million members, and how to execute on your wildly important goal all coming right up. This is episode number 500, number 500 of the Best You Podcast. We have a super special episode today with Derek Billups, Chris Fowler, DeMarco Murray, Melissa Davis, Ellen Latham, and Chris McChesney. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I am super excited because we have a very unique episode, a very special episode for number 500. I mean, I can't even begin to believe that I would have ever imagined that we would get to 500 episodes. We launched the Best You Podcast back in October of 2018, and every single week since then, I think this is one of the most things I am most proud of, every single week since October of 2018, we have not missed an episode. We have hit at least one episode every single week, most weeks, two episodes every single week since October of 2018, and we're finally at number 500 today. And so I wanted to do something special for you guys and give you a little bit of a rewind and hear some of old episodes and then some of the more recent episodes as well. And so today, you guys are going to start off with hearing some of episode number one. Now, I'm not necessarily proud at how I was as an interviewer in episode number one. I was nervous. I was antsy. And you can probably hear that from me. But Derek Billups is a guy who really helped me get my feet underneath me as a fitness trainer and within the fitness community here in Nashville. So I always feel indebted to Derek Billups for all the things that he has done for me. So we start with Derek Billups and how to hustle with intention. Then we have Chris Fowler. And this was, to this day, potentially one of my favorite podcast episodes because Chris Fowler used to be the host of College Game Day, which is the opening show at the beginning of every college football Saturday. And I grew up watching that show and I grew up loving Chris Fowler. And now he still calls the biggest game during college football every single year at night on ABC and he works for ESPN and he calls tennis and he's just an amazing person and an amazing broadcaster and so I'm excited for you to hear from him today as well and then we're going to get into DeMarco Murray DeMarco Murray literally was offensive player of the year in NFL in the NFL and I had the opportunity to actually get to know DeMarco pretty well and I worked for DeMarco at Tilt Cycle back when I used to work at Tilt back when they opened that up and so I'm really excited for you to hear from DeMarco Murray as well. Next, we have Dr. Melissa Davis. Dr. Melissa Davis works for a company called Renaissance Periodization, and they are some of the top experts in health and fitness optimization. And my current, the trainer that I just worked with on my most recent goal is somebody who works at Renaissance Periodization as well. And today you're gonna learn from Dr. Melissa Davis on how to optimize our behavior so that we can optimize our health and fitness. Next, oh my gosh, talk about a special episode, Ellen Latham, the founder of Orange Theory Fitness, where I coached for my first seven years in the fitness industry. I had the honor to be able to talk to Ellen about how she started it, about how she grew it, and the hard work and the consistency that it took from her and her co-founders in order to get it where it is today to over 1 million members. And then lastly, I mean, one of all of these are unbelievably special, but this one, Chris McChesney. Chris McChesney is an author of the book, called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And that was the book that inspired me to create the 10-week transformation. The 10-week transformation framework had its grounding and had its roots 
in the four disciplines of execution. And I got to know, I've gotten to know Chris really well ever since then. We've been and hung out in person together a couple times. He's got to be a good friend, a good mentor, and I really love and respect Chris as a person and what he's done from as a thought leader in the goals and execution space. So I hope you guys just cherish this episode as much as I do, at least to a certain extent as much as I do, because this episode is just so special to me because I picked out some of the most special episodes to me, some of the ones that stood out to me the most, the ones that had the most meaning to me. And so I hope you enjoy it. And for those of you, if this is your first time at episode 500, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share this with a friend or a family member. We have not missed a beat since October of 2018. We've hit at least one episode every single week and we'll continue to hit at least one episode, if not more, every single week moving forward. So make sure you don't miss the amazing interviews and the amazing 10WT Tips episodes that we have available. Make sure you share this with a friend and family member. Make sure you subscribe as well so you get notified every single time a new episode comes out. Make sure you rate and review it if you like the episode as well. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with Derek Phillips, Chris Fowler, DeMarco Murray, Dr. Melissa Davis, Ellen Latham, and Chris McChesney. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Best You. i got the one and only Derek Phillips with me here today. Um, I'm stoked to have him. Uh, so the way I want to start off with you today, Derek, is I think I've heard your story once or twice before about uh, Mrs. Bill from grade school. So I want you to kind of tell everybody about that story and what that meant to you and how that brought you motivation throughout your life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that story was me back in high school. Because a teacher who, she wasn't a bad teacher, essentially. She just kind of had the wrong viewpoint of me. Now that I look back on it, she was a teacher that she was, um, really, she was a study hall teacher at the time, essentially. One of my best friends was in that study hall. I used to come in, talk to him all the time, joke, same personality, just didn't know how to harness my my energy, essentially, at the time. So back in the day, it could have been deemed as um, a deviant kid or somebody that um, didn't listen to authority or, or always need to talk. So that's who I was, essentially. But I used to come in, talk to him. And when I used to leave, he used to come back and tell me like, hey, she came up to me and told me, don't hang out with that kid. That kid's never going to be anything. That kid right there is kind of hitting down the wrong path. And it was like, it it hurt me a little bit. And he was very honest in saying like, hey, this is how they're viewing you. Essentially, let me tell you so we can either rectify the behavior or you can kind of continue being you. But you know, like, hey, these are these are how these teachers are treating you and yeah. thinking about you. So for me, it was a way in fuel throughout my life to think back at that. Like, hey, these are people these people are viewing me like this. I'm not a bad person. I'm just a very energetic, passionate person. I'm always kind of being talkative. I have to figure out a way to kind of be myself, but also not kind of um, not cater to people. So not care too much about what these people are thinking. You know what I mean? So it was able a way to harness it. And for me, it's fuel constantly thinking back to her saying that to my friend and realizing, like, that's not going to define me. Mm -hmm. But. I'm going to use that as fuel to kind of go into the next level. So, yeah, yeah man. Miss Bill, thank you. I appreciate you, Miss Bill. <laughs> so knowing what you know now kind of about that experience, what would your conversation be like to your high school self um, about that situation? Yeah, just realize that um, – the story is never finished, essentially. Mm-hmm. So let's say you may, let's say an author is writing a book. 
I don't really think the story's ever finished. Let's think of Harry Potter. There's there's many layers to Harry Potter's story, essentially, and that's kind of my life. I didn't have it fully figured out at that time, so to judge a child at that age or to judge anybody at that age, you can't really get the full scope because, for me, I didn't grow into my full self until I was 24, 25, 26, and I'm still constantly developing. So, for me, looking back and telling somebody, hey— don't worry about what people are saying about you. Who are you inside? And constantly be trying to work on and improve yourself. Gotcha. Essentially. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, obviously, we can. a lot of people can tell you got this sense of urgency. You got this yeah. energy behind you. And I think that early on, it probably came from that. But I feel like you've probably kind of outgrown that to an extent. So where right now do you feel your sense of urgency comes from? My sense of urgency comes from the goals that I set for myself, essentially. So I... Every six months, to even every three months, if you want to like really kind of scale it down, I set these goals that <clears throat> I have to hit and it kind of forces me to act with intent constantly. So that gives me urgency. So right now, be very transparent. My three goals is are to take my business down to Orlando. That's a that's a major market that I've been looking at. That I've been eyeing for the last six to eight months. So that's that's a major goal. So right now, a lot of things I'm doing is geared towards that. Right. Another one of my main goals is kind of get back to my own personal training. I've been building my business for so long, essentially. It's been kind of pulling away from what I really love the individual training. So getting back to that, essentially. And another goal is to really be involved with my team members. So for a while, I had people in place like an operations manager, a team manager, things like that, that wasn't allowing me, was pulling me away from actually getting to know the people that are representing me in the community. So for me, that's another goal is getting really back in tuned and in the lives of the people that are representing my brand. So for me, that gives me the sense of urgency, knowing I have to hit these goals, essentially. Gotcha. If I don't have goals, I'm moving without a purpose. If I'm moving without a purpose, it's kind of like, what's the point? Yeah. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So how do you go about developing those goals? I think all those three goals are super in-depth and you can tell that you're very passionate about them. And I think that you can't really come up with a passionate goal maybe right off the bat. So how do you come up with developing the goal of, I want to expand to Orlando yeah. and I need to really focus on that personal training? Yeah. Well, again, how do I come up? How do I take those goals? It's really setting kind of the umbrella goals, essentially. For me, I want to be able to develop a life for myself that I do not have to work if I don't want to work. Essentially, mm-hmm. everything I want to do I want it to be because I just love to do it. It's not yeah. because I'm chasing this income. So these goals that I'm creating for myself will allow me to kind of reach that potential. So my company needs to be where it needs to be, essentially, as far as the team members need to be, need to understand the goals, um, everything that I'm working towards, whether it's family members around me. So everything I'm doing needs to be kind of shifted towards these individual goals that kind of help me reach those umbrella goals. So for me, these small three to six month goals are really kind of small goals to hit these bigger goals. So it's all attached. Everything I'm doing is attached. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. To say I'm fired up would definitely be an understatement today, but today I'm super fired up, super stoked to have the one and only Chris Fowler join me today. Chris, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. You're bringing the energy. I'll I'll do my best to to match it. Good to be with you. Of course. I just kind of want you to riff a little bit on the importance of preparation and what it kind of looked like with college game day, because I'm sure it evolved over the years, but once you got to so many games, a lot of different interviews, so many different kids names, their high schools, where they're from and all these kinds of things. What did preparation mean to you and what did it kind of look like before game day? Yeah. I mean, I think that every single person you talk to who's successful, regardless of what field they're in, 
would talk about preparation if they're being honest. No one gets to where they want to go without preparation. It doesn't matter what you do. This is my, I'm, I'm holding up the notes for a, a podcast interview I'm doing later today. I've known the guests 25 years, right? I've known yeah. Eddie George, Heisman winner, NFL star for 25 years. But I got pages of notes like this because that's what you do. You prepare, you think about different ways to say something, different directions to take the conversation. You don't rely on the fact that you think you know this person. You know, I was talking to Matthew McConaughey on, on my podcast. People think of McConaughey as being this freewheeling, instinctive actor. You know, he doesn't put a lot of thought into it. He just riffs. He did when he started, but then he got burned. And there's a story he tells, I mean, a really humiliating experience where he thought he could wing it. He came in unprepared and embarrassed himself and said, never again. Um, and I talked to comedians, musicians, actors, obviously broadcasters, preparation. Laurence Olivier, the, arguably the greatest actor ever, certainly on stage, said that you have to have the humility to prepare, mm -hmm. then the confidence to perform. Because grinding away and preparing is not romantic. It's not always that exciting. It's getting in there in, in the trenches, but it's essential. And if you put the preparation in, you should have the confidence to do the job. I, I, I tell kids preparation is confidence. Without the first, you can't have the second. And I'm talking about at this stage of my career, 30 years doing this, I can fake it, but I know I'm faking it. And I know that deep down, that doesn't feel right to me. And also I know there are customers savvy enough to know when you're bluffing your way through something that you didn't really prepare for as you should have. So that's controllable, right? That's one of the things we can always control. You can control yeah. your focus and your energy and where you put your mind. So um, yes, you know, preparation is essential. You learn how to prepare more efficiently over time. I don't mean more hours of prep is better, not right. necessarily. And you, preparation, as you know, is multifaceted. Like you, you might, if you're going to teach a class, you're going to give uh, something where you have to be tuned in and aware and have lots of mental energy, but it's also a performance, right? Maybe the best thing is not to look at your notes for an extra half hour. Maybe it's to go for a walk, yeah. get a workout in. Clear your mind. I like to meditate. It's whatever gets you in the proper frame of mind when the light goes on. Because you don't get paid for your preparation or your rehearsal, right? right? It's all what goes into the actual broadcast. When the lights are on in our life, whatever we do, that's what you're expected to perform at your best. But you got to get ready for it. But yeah. just because you have good preparation also doesn't guarantee anything. You have to right. bring that second piece to it. You have to have the confidence and just execute in the moment. Because I, there's been games I've really prepared well for, but the call was shitty. I just didn't, I didn't rise to the moment. I wasn't tuned in. I maybe had too much information in my head and I, did, I didn't find that, that place of um, relaxed intensity mm. is what I call it. And I, when I've said that phrase to people, they, they nod their head, but yeah. whether they're playing music live or at, it's intensity for sure but it doesn't feel intense to others. It feels relaxed. And it takes a long time sometimes to arrive at that. If people, it's sort of our version of being in the zone. Yeah. Right? 
Well, I think, like you said, everybody's preparation can look a little bit different and can be multifaceted. I think one of the big things is you have to be self-aware about your preparation. And if something went really well, if you call it a really good game, you have to have the savvy to go back and be like, okay, how did I prepare for this? What worked this time around? And maybe I should replicate that the next time around. Or if you were really nervous and you didn't feel like it went well, then maybe I needed to have that quiet time beforehand. Maybe I needed to meditate. Maybe I needed to go on a walk or whatever it was. So I think self-awareness around how your preparation allows you to perform or not perform is key as well. Totally. How you're feeling that moment. First of all, we could talk for a day about self-awareness. It all starts with that. If you're not aware of yourself and, and the vibes around you, 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 nothing, nothing comes from it. I mean, it's, again, I say leadership starts with awareness. You can't be a good leader. You can't expect people to listen to your message and follow you. You say, if you're not aware of them, keenly aware of them, and only from that place can you get the compassion and the empathy and the understanding and the wisdom that you need to lead. And because I, I read a good quote, you know, management is about doing policies, decisions. Leadership is about being. It's how you are, how you make people feel. And I think that that all starts with awareness. So what you, what you said about just being, being aware of what brings out the best in yourself and what doesn't. Like I, I did a podcast interview yesterday. I was stressed about stuff, nothing to do with the interview. I was just, it just, it was one of those days where shit was just crowding into my mind. It was not going to help me do what we're doing right now. So I went out for a walk. It was a little chilly. I went down by the Hudson river and I, I walked around and I just completely cleared my mind, was present, looked at the river, looked at the the sun shining up the buildings and just focused in on the things that were in front of me and cleared my mind. And also I did my, my Wim Hof deep breathing exercises, which are, I use to, to kind of meditate and regulate. And, and so those two things got me in the frame of mind that the conversation went well, had I not been aware, that that's what I should do. If I had sat there and looked at my notes and been a grinder right up until the time the interview started, I don't think it would have gone as well, but, it, but you have to, you have to know yourself well enough. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. I got the one and only DeMarco Murray with me today. I'm super stoked to have him. So, yeah, where do you think where do you think that willpower came from? I think the willpower for me came from, I've always had it embedded in my mind, my heart, just to work hard and grind through things. And when I was a freshman in college, I had my first injury ever. And having to, having played football, always been on the field, always been the starter, always been like the kind of the best player. And then going to Oklahoma, first year I get hurt. Now I'm having to sit out a year, basically redshirt. So it was all new to me. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? How yeah. can I get through this? And um, my faith is something that is extremely strong to me and important to me. And it's kind of uh, sort of my willpower. And, and you know what? It was hard. I won't lie. I started questioning, start questioning, hey, am I meant to be at Oklahoma? Why did this happen? Am I not living right? Um, should I have had that drink? Should I have, yeah. you know, things, little things just start to creep in your mind. But at the end of the day, I've laid such a strong foundation of how I maintain a healthy lifestyle, how I've worked hard, have a strong family, have a strong faith in, in what I believe in. And for me, it was just, boom, let me just rehab. I'm mm-hmm. going to rehab. I'm going to listen to the trainers. I'm going to get up at 4 or 5 a.m. I'm going to get there before everyone. I'm going to do all my rehab before everyone's in the building. I'm going to work out with the players. I'm going to do what I can do. Then I'm going to stay later. So I had to stay late, show up early and stay late. 
And for me, my foundation has always been just grind. Yeah. That's all I know. I don't know anything else just to get shit done, just to do it, mm-hmm. no matter what it takes, no matter if I have to drive four hours away, no matter if I have to wake up at 2 a.m. Yeah. What can I do, one, to benefit myself individually, get me back on the field? Two, it's all about just getting it done. I, I don't know the true definition behind it as far as just 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 doing it just, yeah so just the, the nike slogan yeah. you know so cliche but just do it just get it done find a way whatever you have to do to trick yourself in order to be the best version of yourself yeah and have the most willpower just do it awesome so you said that um you know a couple of times especially probably with injuries you kind of had that little bit of self-doubt or you know is this what i'm meant to be and i think that that's one of the biggest things that separate people who are successful from people who aren't. I think everybody has that self-doubt settle in at one point or another, but I think the people who are successful have that self-doubt, but then go after it anyway. You know, they don't let it stop them from actually attacking what they want to do because everybody has goals, everybody has dreams. So what would you say to somebody who is in that place of self-doubt? They're wondering why... I, is is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I'm supposed to be going after? What would you tell somebody who has that kind of a feeling at the moment? Well, well, that's the biggest question we always we always ask ourselves: Is this what I'm supposed to do? Right. Is this what I am meant to do? Well, you don't know unless you try it. And for me, um, it's all about just going out on the limb. You know, I have freaking I have social anxiety. You know, I, there's things that we all tend to do. We don't like to attack our negative traits. If if we're not doing something good, or if we're not good at it, like I'm not a great power cleaner. So sometimes in the weight room, I don't like to do power cleans, mm-hmm. but I won't get better unless I practice it, unless I go out and say, hey, what am I doing? Do I have to get my hips better? What a flexibility, whatever the case may be. So you have to find it within yourself to really go out on a limb and just say, hey, I'm going to try it. You know, I can look back 10 years from now, 10 days from now and say, hey, I failed. You know what? At least I know I failed because, you know, this just wasn't my calling. But if you never take your shot, if you never attack it, You'll never know the outcome, the true outcome. There's times where, just with me, like I, I mentioned, I'm in broadcasting now. Mm-hmm. Never in a million years would I ever say, hey, I'm going to be in broadcasting. Right. right. Because, like, I have social anxiety. I don't like talking to a bunch of people. I kind of keep to myself. But um, there's things that I did. I would go down to Atlanta. I would meet with a coach, a broadcasting coach, one-on-one. And just out of my own time, out of my own pocket. And I would um, say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is kind of what I, you know, I've, I've, I've always been great at at doing interviews, controlling the interviews when you're in my position. But mm-hmm. now I'm have to I'm having to interview other people. I'm having to get on camera and talk about things that I've been out of college for eight years. You know, yeah. I'm like now I have to go back to that and, get, and it kind of resonated with me. I'm like, I don't want to do this. You know, yeah. I just want them to give me the job because of who I am. But right. things don't always work out like that. So mm-hmm. I have to put the extra time in. I have to go in front of people that. I didn't want to. Yeah. Know? So it's all about taking your shot and just being proactive. You have to, you know, go out on the limb and just say whatever you have to do. You take yeah. a freaking tequila shot. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Whatever whatever you have to do to make yourself comfortable and make yourself get out of your own way, just just go do it. And, and, and for me, it was just doing the extra work, making sure that I was prepared. So when I did go in those meetings, mm-hmm. I was looking back and being like, oh, you know, I wasn't prepared. At least I was prepared enough to say, hey. Whatever they throw at me, I'll be able to answer, but it's up to me to answer those questions in the right manner. We'll be back to the interview in just a second, but first I wanted to share some words from a participant of the 10-week transformation. At Best U, we started running the 10WT back in January of 2020 and have since had 313 people and counting go through it. They've seen their bodies get stronger than ever before. They've seen the stubborn fat finally come off and they've seen their habits 
dramatically improve. And honestly, more than anything, they've seen their self-confidence skyrocket. If you want to learn more about the 10-week transformation, then you can go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. That's nickcarrier.com slash the number 10WT. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first, here's what they had to say. My name is Paige Smith. Um, I first did Nick's 10-week transformation um, starting in March 2022, and I am wrapping up my fourth uh, 10WT in a row right now um, and starting my fifth after uh, the first of the year. I first started the 10-week transformation because I had just gone back to work after having a baby and um, knew with a busy work schedule and a newborn that if I didn't get into good habits early on, I would not be confident about my my workouts and I just wanted to get in a really solid routine and prove to myself that I could balance um, the various things I had going on. My experience in the 10-week transformation has been more than I would have imagined at the beginning. It's made me more committed to my workouts. It's fine-tuned my nutrition. It's made me accountable in various aspects of my life and I think that's a testament to Nick and the program that he's put together. And I think that uh, anyone joining the 10-week transformation would find it very uh, beneficial across all aspects of their life. And uh, you should join it. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best Two Podcast. I am super fired up today. Uh, I was just telling her I've been looking forward to this podcast episode for a while now. I've got the one and only Dr. Melissa Davis with us today. Dr. Dr. Davis, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Yeah, super happy to be here. It's going to be fun. Yeah, of course. One of the things that you say in your book, and this is kind of a quote from page nine, actually, is habits take a while to acquire because our brains make sure the reward or the consequence is consistent and ramp up automatically accordingly. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think that probably the most important thing in order to be successful with your fitness goals is consistency. And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest reasons why people aren't consistent is because they're not patient and they feel like after a couple, two, three, four or five weeks or whatever, they're not seeing the results that they want. And a lot of times it's because they haven't taken the time to to form the habit. So I just kind of want you to take a second to talk about why it is that Mm -hmm. habits take a while to, to form and how important it is to kind of stay patient with the process and, and stick it out until the habits are kind of a little bit more formed. Right. So if you kind of just as a, a metaphor, an analogy, if you kind of picture um, water on a piece of land and it's just yeah. sort of seeping around, right, it could go any different direction. That's kind of how our behavior and response to situations and context is. But then once you start digging a little trench in that land, the deeper you dig and the longer you spend filing away that little trench, the more water is going to go automatically in that direction. So that's kind of how habits are. You're sort of digging a trench as an analogy in your brain so that when you encounter a certain situation, you'll act in the same way consistently over time. It doesn't happen right away. Like you build the first trench, a little water goes in, but some still goes elsewhere. And that's how behavior is too. You know, you start trying to form a habit and you're still going to mess up sometimes until you've got that brain trench uh nice and deep so that your behavior just sort of automatically flows when it encounters that uh, situation yeah no i I like that Um, i like that analogy a lot i think that makes so much sense and something a lot of people are going to understand immediately so i think one of the things that a lot of people think about or read about is like how long does it take me to actually form a habit and there's so many things out there 
that say like it takes this long, it takes this long, it takes this long, it takes ten thousand hours, uh, it takes thirty days, it takes two months, and stuff like that. And you know, I I, I think that most people, even the people who say that, would agree that it's not just so cut and right. cut, cut yeah. and dry in regards to how long it actually takes. So talk about a little bit of some of the factors in regards to like what determines how long a habit takes to form. Right. So for instance, if you're trying to start a new habit, but you have current habits that get in the way of that, you not only have to create a new habit, you have to undo old habits. So you've sort of doubled your workload in that case. If you're just trying to add something new, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to start flossing more regularly. You know, that's something people could probably integrate in a couple of weeks. If you've never exercised in your life and you want your new healthy habits, your healthy lifestyle, that might take you a year to really get all of the pieces together and consistent. Um, so I think people just need to take into consideration their position. Like, where are they coming from? How new is this behavior? How difficult is it for them? How stressful is it for them? Um, how big of a change is it? And uh, do they have knowledge and experience in this area that will help them start that habit already? And all of those factors play into how long it's going to take. But it definitely, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, no matter what it is. Yeah, no doubt. And I like what you said in regards to like, kind of how new is it and, and how close to that habit have you been acting in the past? And so right. one of the things that, that I kind of, uh, the way that I verbalize it to a lot of my clients when we're talking about wh what it is we want to be doing on a weekly basis is try to choose something that you're, that you feel like you're willing and able to do based off of what you've been willing and able to do in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and another, so, another good tip when you're deciding what habits you want to form is to make those decisions and uh, make those goals when you're a little less comfortable if you're in the middle of a hard run and you're thinking about like how you're going to take your exercise up to the next level, you're going to make a more realistic decision than if you're sitting on the couch as you have been for months and you're like, I'm going to start this really, you know, huge exercise program. I'm going to make these big changes. It's really easy to overestimate what you are willing to suffer through when you're comfortable, when you're uncomfortable, you tend to have a little bit better perspective of what you're willing to deal with for, for change. Mm. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I could not be more excited today to have the founder of Orange Theory Fitness, the one and only Ellen Latham with me today. Ellen, I just want to start off by saying what an honor it is for you to be joining me here today. I, it, I'm thrilled. I, I love to talk orange. So anyone who's willing to listen, <laughs> I'm going to talk about it. I love it. So you talked about how you've been partners now with those two for 13 years. I think that getting closer to the best version of ourselves, one of the most important things that we can do is learn how to maximize our relationships and, and connect on uh, connect and communicate. What do you think has maybe been the three biggest keys to you guys being able to have this longevity with longevity with your partnership? Yeah. Well, I think the first word that comes to mind is respect, because it, it just in, in any relationship, if it's a marriage, uh, you know, with children, whatever the case, family members, once you lose respect, it's very hard because, listen, even though you try to keep emotion out of business, you know, you start to lose that with each other. It's very hard to be on the same team and push through the adversity that's going to come forward. So how do you how do you think you gain respect from somebody? 
Well, I think that in the beginning, there was a lot of communicating. There was a lot of like, listen, I don't feel that, you know, you brought me in on that decision to change this part of the workout. And that really doesn't work for me and you know you're being upfront about things you you communicate in a in a clear concise manner try not to get too emotional i'm very italian so that was very hard for me in the beginning <laughs> but luckily one of my partners is very italian too so he got it he kept saying oh my god I like all my family members <laughs> so i think that that communicating right out of the gate so that you know are you good or you know you're checking in with everyone in the beginning is very very important I think that, uh, so, you know, respect is there. I think that the vision is very important, that you're very clear on the vision. And we had a lot of conversations about that, of what's our vision of let's put 30 of these on the map and maybe we'll own all 30. And this will be a great partnership for the three of us to own 30 successful studios. You know, are we good with that? Or are we, you know, going to go gangbusters? We're going to, you know, sell these. We're going to get area reps. They're going to, you know, own an area that they're going to be responsible for putting up 40 of them. And this, so you all got to have the same vision because if that's not the case, then there'll be frustrations of, well, I never really wanted to do this many or this and that, you know what I mean? So conversation, this is a lot of communication and conversation about that. So I think, you know, respect, having the same vision. And then I'm one that has to believe you have to have passion for whatever this product is. I don't care if you're selling like, you know, this, I don't know, what is this? Whatever this is, okay? Is it a computer? Is it a calculator? Whatever you're selling, you know, that you are so passionate about, this is the best thing you are ever going to buy and use to figure out anything you have to figure out in life. And that passion comes across and I still have it. You know, we're 13 years old in Orange Theory, like I said, 45 years in fitness, and I'm still very passionate about what, you know, we do. And I hear that often from our franchisees. Ellen, I love when you're at convention. I love when you're at Summit and you present something or whatever, because after it, I just feel like, okay, this was definitely the right decision. Because if you're still that passionate about it, I'm going to bring that back and I I can keep this shit moving. Yeah, I love it. All right. What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super fired up today to have my second only repeat guest of the Best You Podcast, the one and only Chris McChesney. Chris, I just want to start off by saying oh. thanks so much for spending the time with me today. <laughs> A minute ago, Nick asked me, he asked me, what made you smile today? And I'm like, I want to get to talk to you again. <laughs> I, I love uh, I love this guy. We've, we've become very good friends after the, after the uh, our first podcast together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, it's been making me smile all day as well. So um, you guys just came out or recently came out with the second edition of the four disciplines of execution, which as you know, I believe in, and you believe this can be a, a framework that you can use for certain areas of your own personal life as well Absolutely. to create breakthroughs in your own personal life yeah. um, and in your own performance. But I'll jump to there in a second, but you just, again, run through focus leverage yeah. Yeah, every, yeah, those yeah, four yeah. real quick. So, so as Nick is saying, each discipline is based on a principle. The first one, and I'll, I'll, I'll say what the, the discipline is and what the principle is. The first principle is the principle of focus. And that, that shouldn't come as a surprise when you're talking about execution. And, it, and discipline one is called focus on the wildly important. And that's all about getting very, very clear on 
in addition to the day job or the everything I have to do to sustain the operation, what's the breakthrough? And not just conceptually, but in the form of a target with a starting line, a finish line and a deadline. And in the second edition of the book, we go a lot further into what organizational leaders, people who are leading other teams, how they how they orchestrate that. There's a little bit of a science to it, but just on an individual level, am I really clear on exactly what that finish line looks like? Where am I at now? Where do I want to be and by when? That's discipline one. That's focus. Discipline two is the principle of leverage. And we call that act on the lead measures. And in as it relates to any obstacle, and let's just stay with the concept of leverage. If I'm, if I'm trying to move a boulder and that boulder is just too heavy, right? That's how those goals, sometimes those breakthrough goals feel in our lives. They're just too heavy to move. You know, you think about how a lever works and, and how you move a, something that's too heavy to move. You get a lever and, and a lever has two characteristics, right? You get, you know, the way that fulcrum works, you get far enough out on that lever. Hey, I can move the lever. The lever where the rock wasn't influenceable, the lever is. And the second characteristic is that it's predictive. When the lever moves, that rock moves forward. And you have to move the lever a long way to move the rock a little way. And that principle, wow, it cuts through everything. And there are always certain behaviors that are leveraged. And so like if, if you wanted to lose weight, you know, tracking the amount of exercise or calorie input are the most obvious lead measures for weight loss. And once people see that, they're able to apply it in manufacturing. They're able to apply it in sales. And it's the discipline of not only identifying the leverage points, turns out that understanding the leverage points doesn't do you much good. You have to track it. There has to be some immediacy around it. And, and that takes you into the third discipline, which is keep a compelling scoreboard. And that's the discipline of engagement. Um, Nick and I were talking about a book called um, Atomic Habits that um, I've got my kids all into right now. And he's got some of the psychology behind a lot of what the disciplines are built on. One of the things he said is of the 12 million receptors in your brain for taking information in, excuse me, 11 million, um, 10 million of the 11 million are visual. And the, the brain, you know, when it comes to changing behavior, visual input is really important. And, and we, I didn't even know that. We've just known for 20 years that yeah. until somebody sees the scoreboard, until until they can actually look at a scoreboard and know winning or losing right now, right now. And not only just on the lag measures, but that they can see the lead and the lag, the cause and the effect, that it's extremely compelling. And, and that sort of thing does a good job competing with the day-to-day -day urgency. And then the fourth discipline, right? So the first one's focus. The second one is leverage. The third one is engagement. The fourth one is accountability. And it's this, it's this discipline of if, if you're on a team every week, everybody's got to commit to do something to ensure that those lead measures are going to happen, that we're going to make good on our bet because we're betting the lead measures will move the lag measure of our goal. Right. And, and the fourth discipline is all about. All right. So let's stay with weight loss. OK, it's raining all next week. I hate running in the rain. I'm getting the gym membership. That's my commitment. Right. I've been eating yeah. like crap lately. And my calorie lead measure is off. I've got some great recipes. 
I'm going to go to Whole Foods. Like, I don't care what they charge me. I'm going to go, I'm going to buy that stuff. I'm, I'm going to make those. Like, what am I going to do that guarantees I'm going to be good to those lead measures? And if everybody on the team is making those commitments, it is force against leverage, right? And the, the lever is the, 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 right? We're putting all the energy against that lever. And so if you're doing it individually, if applying it to yourself, you got to have a partner. You got to have right. somebody that, Hold, you know, that you know will hold you accountable. And if you can hold each other accountable, that's great. But we have to make those activities that drive the, 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 that breakthrough, that what we call wildly important goal, those have to feel as urgent as the day job. And if there isn't accountability, it doesn't. So that little package of disciplines you can wrap around, you know, various objectives that you know you want to have happen, but they're just losing to the day job is, yep. is I guess, one way to frame it. So that's a that's a quick overview for you, Nick. No. Yeah, that was great. And, you know, you talked about the statistic or the st- or the number from James Clear saying of the 10 or of the 11 million receptors, 10 of them are visual. As you know, I coach people in a 10-week fitness goal-setting program now and, and have they have everybody has their own scoreboard. Yeah, right and, on. And it is, it is so funny how true it is where the level of success that the person has with their goal is directly correlated to the frequency with which they look at their scoreboard. Yeah, and until it gets visual, it's like it's not even real. It's like it's just an idea. There's some little weird trigger in our brain that once we see it, it's like, okay, game on. Man, that just brings me back listening to each one of the clips from those individuals just brings me back and it i kind of can put myself in the different states of the business that i was in during each of these and it's just so cool to reminisce on how far we've come at best you and i think that's an important thing to do that we often don't we don't necessarily see how far we've come so if you need to take a moment and pause and reflect and see how far you've come over the last week, over the last month, over the last year, over the last five years, then do so and give yourself a little bit of acknowledgement and a little bit of encouragement for all that you've done to grow. And remember, if you have not followed me on Instagram and you have not been aware of these Instagram lives that I've begun to do, make sure that you go to my website at nickcarrier.com slash Instagram live. I started to do an Instagram live most weeks during the summer, starting in May. I've got three in May and then we'll have three or four in June. So I'm really excited to be able to get to join you guys on Instagram Live. You can join for free, but I want to make sure you sign up so you hold yourself accountable to actually showing up. So go to nickcarrier.com slash Instagram Live. Again, nickcarrier.com slash Instagram Live. I hope you guys enjoyed today. I hope you learned a little bit of something. I hope you maybe were reminded of a particular principle that is going to allow you to get closer and closer to your best you. 500 down, 500 to go, baby. Let's hit it.